whatever you're dealing with, God has the answer to every situation. Sometimes it's a physical problem. Sometimes it's a demonic problem. Sometimes it's a, uh, you know, something else. But what do we do? How do we, how do we approach that? You've got to be willing to hear from God. Really, the, the Christian life is not, not hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm just saying it's not hard, the basics of the Christian life. You hear from God, do what he tells you to do. Really, that's simple. Now, is it God or not? Well, that's a whole other story, you know. <laughs> but we're kind of going to get into that here tonight. Um, I'm going to use a dream that I had, very short little dream, but I felt like uh, the Lord wanted me to share it as a teaching opportunity to uh, show you how you can discern whether something's from God or not. If it is from God, um, you know, how do I go about uh, uh, trying to figure out what God's trying to tell me? So we're going to use a dream as a vehicle, but I'm, I always want to go to a text. And uh, Jeremiah 18, one, uh, 1 through 6, the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So I went to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look as, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, let me, let me give you a little background on the dream that I had, and we'll try to make this all fit together. Um, so I had a dream last week, and in it, um, and I, I have not been dreaming for a long time, all right? And I just kind of felt like um, my, my sleep has been restless uh, for a while, and, and I prayed about it. I said, Lord, why is my, my, my sleep restless? I said, because I, have, I felt like he spoke to me, and, and I can't explain to you how I know this, or, um, and I could be wrong, you know, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to know that he wanted to speak to me in the night through dreams, but the enemy was fighting it. He didn't want God to speak to me in that way. And so that's why I was being restless. And I just said, okay, Lord, well, I want to pray that what you desire in my life would manifest. And, and I'd like to, I just took authority over the attacks of the enemy. And, and I just continued to believe God for sweet sleep and sleep and, and those kind of things. And so I had a dream. And it was just a, you know, some, you ever had a long dream, you know? Uh, this was the opposite of a long dream. This was like just a little snippet, but I remembered it. And how do I know if something's from God? Well, one part of that is that you remember it. Because a lot of dreams I don't remember. You know, I wake up, don't remember what the dream is. Uh, which, by the way, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you had a dream, you think it's something important, write it down. Because uh, if you fall asleep and you wake up again, you don't remember it. That doesn't mean it's not from God. It just means you were foolish enough to write, not to write it down. Right? So you want to always have a pad and paper if you think the Lord's talking to you in the night. But anyway... Uh, I, I had a dream, and I remember the dream, and I actually didn't write it down, but I remembered it when I woke up. And I said, okay, I'm just going to hold this, and we'll think about it for a little bit. So anyway, in this dream, I'll go ahead and tell you what it, what it was. I, I knew in the dream I was uh, uh, in an airliner, and I was looking at a cockpit of a plane, and an unknown person was pointing me towards the pilot's seat. As I typed this out, I realized that it was the right seat of the cockpit, and I believe this is the seat of the co-pilot. If I'm, I'm, I'm not a pilot, but I, I think that's the co-pilot seat. And I also knew I was being asked to fly this plane. I hesitated moving forward as the thought came to me, I don't know how to fly. Now, I'm not sure if it's 
flying in general, or I don't know how to fly this type of plane. I don't know. All I know is that was the end of the dream, and the dream ended. So why share this with you tonight? Because I, 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 first of all, I feel like God wanted me to, <laughs> and it, it actually was confirmed to me when I read this passage in Jeremiah. So what does this passage in Jeremiah have to do with a dream? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with a dream, but it has a lot to do with how God speaks. Okay, so God tells Jeremiah to go to the potter's house where he would see something, and when he saw something, it would spark the word of the Lord being revealed to him. So God used a visual cue in the pot that was being uh, uh, made and then had to be remade again because it had a mar in it. He used a visual cue to initiate a revelation of his word. So in a sense, that's what God did for me through a dream. I had a dream, and the dream served as a visual clue or a catalyst for God to reveal something to me as well. Now, again, I want to use dream, this dreaming in general to teach you something about the Lord. First of all, you need to realize is that God speaks. He speaks. Jeremiah 18, 1 and 2. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. In our text, we see that God was speaking in the present to Jeremiah. All throughout Scripture, we are given testimony through his word that God speaks. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, or you could say God spoke, Let there be light. And there was light. Isaiah 46, 5 through 11, I just picked a couple. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They lavish gold out of the bag, weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith, he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves, yes, they worship, they bear it on their shoulder, they carry it and set it in its place, and it stands, and from its place it shall not move. He's talking about people that, that fashion idols or worship idols. And he said, though one cries out to it as they worship it, it, doesn't, it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this and show yourselves, men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other, and I am God and there is none like me declaring or speaking the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a country. Indeed, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. So just two scriptures out of many where the Lord is showing himself to be a God who speaks as opposed to idols of the world that they're just basically stuff, <laughs> right? So anyway, God speaks. But the second point I want you to read uh, and to understand is that God just doesn't speak. God speaks to his people, right? Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son now let's jump off that a little bit first thing i want you to see is that jesus is lord but jesus is the word of god and when we talk about the word of god we're not talking about just some concept we're talking about he is the spoken word of god he is the word of god made flesh it said prove it to me okay john one and one in the beginning was the word and the word was 
with God, and the Word was God. John 1 and 14. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, uh, um, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when we're talking about the Word of God, we're talking about the expression of God. We're talking about God communicating with His people. Jesus was God communicating to us. He is God actually made visible to us. It's the Word of God made flesh, God speaking to His people. Why did Jesus manifest? To speak to His people, to deliver His people, right? Jesus still speaks to His people. John 10 and 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 16, 13 through 14. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you unto all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, the context is from me, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it or speak it to you. Revelations 3.22, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So God speaks and God speaks to his people. Now, some people will say, well, God spoke to his people. We'll get into that in a minute, but I'm, I'm here, so I might, as well, I might as well do it. God did speak to his people, but God is still speaking to his people. And he didn't stop speaking when the word of God was written. He is still the word of God, and he is still speaking. He won't violate what, he's, what we have written down here because he's consistent. He's faithful, he's true, but he still speaks. Anyway, we're not, that's the subject for another message, but I just want you to realize that God speaks, God speaks to his people, and God is still speaking to his people. So how does God talk with his people? I just uh, put a couple of them down here. One way that he speaks is he speaks through nature. The Bible says in Psalms 19, 1 through 3, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. You might say he speaks through creation. When you look at the universe, and we were talking about this the other night, and I see the universe and how it's uh, uh, created and, and the vastness of it and the intricacies of it, and I, and I see that we're, we're a tiny little spot in a solar system, which is a tiny little spot in a, uh, a galaxy, which is one of... Uh, not just billions, I think they're even saying now hundreds of billions of galaxies, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind, right? But not only that, that's seeing God in, in, in the creation or seeing nature on a macro level, but if you were to turn the eye the other way and get a microscope and go down and you begin to see the intricacies of cellular uh, creation, you begin to see atoms and the way they all go together and you begin to realize, wow, this is amazing. How do these things stay together? How did they develop? How did consciousness develop? How do all these things happen? Because contrary to what uh, people would want to teach you, things don't go from chaos to order. It just doesn't happen. Actually, things go from order to chaos, right? Uh, are you surprised if you go into your kid's room and all of a sudden they make a room up? Yes, you're surprised because that's not normal. What's normal is you make the room up and you go in there and it's trash and you got to clean it up again, right? No. <laughs> Uh, so, well, wait a minute. Science is teaching us that things went from nothing uh, to something. 
Well, science is good. There's nothing wrong with science, but pure science is supposed to uh, tell you or make visible or discover what God created. There is then the, be, the belief of science or the religion of science that has a presupposition that there is no God. And in that presupposition that there is no God, even if you see the intricacies of nature, you see the intricacies of creation, because they come to the table, uh, and science is not supposed to come to the table with predetermined beliefs, because they come to the table with those predetermined beliefs, they cannot see God in creation. But we don't have those restrictions, and we see God everywhere in creation. And when I see God in creation, God speaks to me about who he is and what kind of God he is. So Romans 1 and 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So one way God speaks through nature or through his creation, another way he speaks is through his people. Acts 2 and 17, It shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall... Prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. God speaks through prophetic people. He speaks through throughout the Old Testament. We have God speaking to certain people, and they would speak to the people of God. In the New Testament, we can all prophesy, right? Another way that God speaks is through dreams and visions. How do these people hear from God? One of the ways they hear from God is through dreams and visions. Uh, Numbers 12, 6 through 8, he said, Hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, I speak to him in a dream. Matthew 1 and 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, talking about Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So God speaks through dreams and visions. Acts 16, 9 through 10, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, uh, some people, uh, when we say dreams and visions, uh, you can have a, a vision is like a dream that you see in the open. And a dream is like a vision that you see while you're sleeping. Right? You, they're basically the same thing, but one you have while you're awake and the other one we have while you're asleep. So they're interchangeable in some sense, but God speaks through dreams and visions. And another way that God speaks is through the Word of God, through the Bible. When we talk about the Word of God this, in this context, we're talking about the Logos Word, the written Word. God speaks through His Word. In fact, in combating the enemy, Jesus, the manifestation of the Word of God, quoted the written Word of God, and He said to the enemy in Matthew 4 and 4, He answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that, it doesn't say precedes, it says the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word Jesus is quoting is said to be a proceeding word. In other words, God is still speaking today, and God speaks through his word. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is, not was, but is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Um, uh, I might as well do a little pause here. I had, uh, for the last couple of nights, I've been getting uh, up around four I think it's around 4.32, 4.33, 4.34, somewhere like that. And for some reason, uh, um, you know, it's like when I do that several times in a row, I'm thinking, I wonder what's going on here. I didn't have alarm set for that time, by the way. 
So <laughs> it wasn't my watch that was going off, but sometimes I just woke up at that time. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, that little uh, uh, necessity that you have when you get older uh, uh, woke me up at that time. Uh, the dog woke me up at that time. My wife woke me up at that time. Uh, so it was a couple of nights uh, there in a row, and it's like I just happened to notice it was always around the same time. And I didn't pay too much attention to it. Normally I do, I didn't. But then I was reading a book about dreams, and I was reading a book about dreams, and he began to talk about how God was waking him up at certain times of the night, and I thought, hey, wait a minute. I've been waking up at a certain time every night, and for some reason I was in the book of Acts. I went to the book of Acts, and I landed on a passage that happened to be 4, 32, 33, and 34. Okay, and I believe when I got to the passage, the Lord started speaking to me through his word. So the coincidence or the time that I was waking up led me to a certain place in the word, but then God began to speak to me through his word. I may actually preach that on Sunday. But anyway, it's the, the word of God itself can speak as well, right? So once, once you recognize that God speaks, then you have to ask yourself, is God speaking to me? I didn't put that in here. We're just going to put this all together. And if the Lord is speaking to you, then you've got to ask, what is God saying to me? Right? Now, you may have thought I forgot about the dream, but I was taking time to build a foundation in us that God can and does speak to us in many and varied ways. If God is indeed speaking to me, then what uh, and that's the first part. You've got to figure out, is God speaking to me? So, so uh, then if God's speaking to you, and we will call that revelation, then what is it that he's saying to me? That would be the interpretation. And then once I figure out what the interpretation is, what do I do with it? You call that the application. All right? So the revelation is, what did God say to me? In this particular case, what did I see? Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, what did he see? He saw a pot that was being made. It was marred, so they started all over again, and he began to do it again. So then Jeremiah heard the word of the Lord, and the Lord began to show him, well, that's the revelation, but let me tell you what it means. And then he began to tell him what it means. He said, can I not do the same with my people? Right? Can I not start over again? And then there was an application that came out of that. So anyway, in this dream that I had, using the dream, if God is indeed speaking to me, and I came to the conclusion that he was, then what is God saying, and specifically, what is he saying to me? As far as the dream I shared with you, I do believe that it was the Lord speaking to me. Now, just so you'll know that, not every dream is from God. Right? Some dreams are piece of dreams right or we had chili tonight so you might say some dreams are chili dreams right some dreams are from the enemy right and some dreams are from the Lord so there's three sources really where you can get your dreams one is uh, uh, the enemy from God or it can just be a soul dream, a fleshly dream, something that you just, it's just, a, just something that you have, right? So after careful prayer and contemplation, if you believe that, let's say in this context, we'll limit it to dreams because you can apply this to any way that God speaks to you in life, 
right? A coincidence. Is that a coincidence or is God trying to say something to me? You've got to figure out if it's the Lord, first thing of all. And then if you figure out it's God, what are you trying to say, Lord? That's the second thing. That's the interpretation. And what do you want me to do today? That would be the third thing, which would be the application. In this particular case, I had a dream. Not every dream that I have is from the Lord. I'll always ask myself, did I take medicine last night? If I take medicine last night, I don't care what I dream. I don't care if I think it's from God. I don't take it as being from God. I'd, I'd chunk it. Right? I just do. If I take, uh, I, uh, sometimes I have to take, uh, uh, for sinuses, I can feel a drip in the back, and I take this Robitussin DM sinus stuff. And if I had a dream, well, I took the Robitussin, toss it. But it could be God. It might, but it might not be. I'm not going to take that chance. So if I'm on medication, something will affect me, I just, I just toss it. Okay? Um, but then uh, if I still, uh, if I, if I, if I am not on medication, I have a dream, I still got to figure out, is it the Lord or not? And again, we can go through this whole thing. But one of the things that I, one of the things I was taught is that one of the ways uh, you can determine whether it's from the Lord or not is, is your dream in color? If it's in color, it might be from God. If it's not in color, if it's dark and dreary, it's probably not. I said, well, how can, I can go through the whole shebang and shabu, but you're just going to have to take my word for it. God is light. Light is made up of colors. When God speaks to you, all right, it's usually going to be full of life, full of color. Also, is it a depressing, discouraging dream? Probably not from God. If it's redemptive and does something positive in your life, might be from the Lord. Okay, and if it's not from one to do, from one of those two, it might be just from your own, uh, 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 you know, uh, anxiety or turmoils or stress that you're going through in life. Might be a fleshy dream as well. But anyway, I believe this dream that I had was from the Lord. So I believe God gave me this dream, not only the dream, but then as I thought about it and and meditated on it, mused on it, I began to feel like He gave me the interpretation of the dream. I don't know if I have the complete interpretation of the dream. But in some ways, I have a little bit of the interpretation of the dream. And, and, uh, and it was confirmed to me, I believe, in the Word of God is in this passage, that God indeed was speaking to me through this dream. So the process I'm describing to you is a little awkward for me, since primarily not to describe to you that God speaks and God speaks to me and all these kind of things, but it's awkward for me to share this with you because most of the time, God speaks to me through His Word. I hear, we were talking about this, somebody's talking about uh, pastors here early I do so I get here uh, usually around five a little bit after five uh, here this last couple of weeks last week or so I'm at 4 30 uh, latest you know depending if I uh, how late it be at six o'clock but I'm here early in the morning and I'm reading his word I'm in the word of God I do read other books but I'm also in the word of God and more often than not as I'm going through the word of God all of a sudden something will jump in my spirit, something will come alive, and I just know that God is speaking to me. So I'm in the word of the Lord. God uses a passage, and I can't tell you how often that you would think it's, it's, it's strange that, I, that God speaks to me in the passage that I'm in, and I just happen to be in a passage. It seems you just happen to be in a passage that's relevant to my life for what I'm going through right now. You say, how does that work? I don't know. He's God. He's God, but he speaks to me through his word. Okay, so now, this is awkward for me. It's not that God doesn't speak to me outside of his word, but I don't usually talk about dreams. I don't usually do that. But what I have to do if he speaks to me, and I've already made the case that God does speak to you, and he does speak to you outside of his word because the spirit of God reveals things to us, but it will never violate his word. 
So if God speaks to me outside of his word, my starting place is usually the word of God. But if I get something from God outside of his word, I've got to come back to the same starting place. Let's see, how can I describe this? Uh, uh, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So I began to, uh, I always thought to myself, well, God's not telling you you got to love yourself. God is saying the normal thing is to love yourself. The problem that we have is not loving ourselves. The problem we have is loving our neighbor. Because you'd hear people say all the time, you got to love yourself because you can't love your neighbor, you can't love yourself. And I said, that, that's not the problem. Most people don't have a problem loving themselves. They take care of themselves. They nurture themselves. The problem they have is they're selfish. Right? And then I started, as I grew older in life, I began to realize there are some people that don't like themselves. They hate themselves. They bring self-destruction on themselves. They need to get to the starting place that most of us start at. Right? They need to get healed of that and get back to as you love yourself, then you can love your neighbor. Most of us start here these people are over here and they got to get here so that they can start that so they have work to do to get where most of us start what i'm trying to tell you is that is that i start here he, most of the time god speaks to me here but if i get something outside i got to work to bring it back to here i'm gonna make sense here all right so the word of god always has to be the standard it can't it doesn't mean that i have to find a passage uh where i'm flying a plane because you're not gonna find, find one of those but it has to be biblical whatever god's speaking to you has to be biblical right god's not going to tell you to go rob a store because you need money to feed your family not going to tell you to do that how do i know because you read the word of God and you're going to find principles in here that discourage that and say that ain't God and so what you do that ain't God so it has to match up with the word of God anyway uh, <clears throat> however this this week even though I begin there it seems he has been speaking to me a couple of times uh, outside of his word that but then when I believe he's saying what he, what he's saying to me must eventually and always come through his word so wherever it begins the word of God must be the standard to determine what God is saying. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The interpretation to my dream, and I'll give you what I got so far, is that I believe God was using it to call me into a greater ministry, which is what Doug actually said during the, 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 the testimony that he had. So, a vehicle in a dream often speaks of ministry, right? You have a small vehicle, you're probably a small ministry. Uh, you got a futuristic vehicle, might be a vehicle that's, uh, that's coming in the future of your life. Uh, you know, uh, the type of vehicle hints the type of ministry. I was being asked to co-pilot. Now, why is the word co-pilot? Because I realize now it was the right side. Right side is the co-pilot. Aren't we supposed to co-labor with God? Who's the real pilot? The Lord. But he's asking me to partner with him, right, in a different kind of ministry. What this ministry is going to be is going to be a ministry that, that is type, typified by a plane, right? So um, I'm going to partner with God and say, I, I've never had a dream where I was flying a 
a big airline. I never had a dream where I, that I know of where I was uh, flying a plane at all. If I've had a dream of a vehicle, it was a white van, uh, you know, or some kind of uh, a convertible car. But this time it was, a, it was a big, I knew it was a big airline. And all I was seeing was the cockpit, cockpit. So it wasn't really about the plane, but I knew that it, God was wanting me to fly this plane. And I knew it had to do with some type of ministry that God was wanting me to, to partner with him in. So I was being asked to co-pilot or partner with God in a greater ministry that would involve flying. And when you're talking about flying, to me, it speaks of supernatural, not earthly type of ministry. You're flying closer to the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. And flying is not something you do naturally. Right? It's a supernatural thing. Right? So uh, I, I believe that God, like... Doug just happened to say is the, the glory of God is going to manifest in a greater way and we're going to begin to see some things, but it's not just for me because I'm going to be flying a plane that carries people, right? So this ministry that God is wanting me to partner with him involves flying myself and others, which would be you, to new and greater heights and places. Amen. Little snippet of a dream right now I was hesitant because I knew I couldn't do this I don't have the qual I don't know what I'm doing you might think I know what I'm doing but I have no clue what I'm doing right uh, I only know I, I'm only got uh, what I hear from God I share with you I just get it a few minutes before you do so since I get it before you do that makes me the leader but you know what you're doing no I don't and and <laughs> you think I do but I don't I just try to hear from God and do what he says, and do I get it right all the time? No. A lot of times I get it wrong. Over the process of time, I'm learning how to get it right better. I'm not learning how to do things better. I'm learning how to hear him better. Right? So I, I was hesitant to take this, this plane because I knew I couldn't do it, but I didn't say no, and, the, and, and I didn't say yes. The dream ended before we got there, but I knew that he was pointing me to the word the seat. He didn't say, okay, you didn't do it. He didn't take it away from me either. It was almost like it was an invitation and that was it. All right. So how I got here, uh, uh, tell me a certain incident in my life. I've shared with, with some of you guys before in life, but I remember it was somewhere around 1999 or something like that. And um, I had gone to Bolivia. And while I was in Bolivia, my uncle, he liked to go, I don't call it a, a city, because if I think of a city, you think of Houston, or you might think of Lake Jackson. Uh, so I don't know, uh, maybe it was a town, but it was not, uh, you know, a town like you would think of. It was maybe like, uh, you know, a, thousand, a couple thousand people. It was like a village, but it was a little more than a village, but it had, you know, uh, huts, and it was, it was tropical. We were in a place like that, and there was two cities, uh, two villages, one on one side of a river, and one on another side of the river. So we went to Ruta Navaca, which is on one side of the river, and we were just enjoying ourselves. And we said, hey, let's go visit, uh, you know, tomorrow let's go visit the city on the other side. And so we, they have this, uh, this uh, it wasn't even a boat. It was like a, a square uh, thing made out of wood. It was like a raft, but it was able to carry trucks and stuff. But it was like handmade. It wasn't like you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, Probably, but we got on it. We crossed over to the other side of the river. I'm going to say from here to the street. You know, maybe, no, maybe from here to, to Dixie or even farther than that. But anyway, we go to the other side. And when I get to the other side, 
I don't know anybody there. Nobody knows me. But all of a sudden, a motorcycle drives up. And motorcycles at that particular place happen to be uh, the cabs of the city. And so this guy drives up and he said, I don't remember what he said, but let's just pretend like he said, hey, gringo. You know, I said, yeah, what? The mayor wants to see you. And I'm like, huh? I don't know no mayor. He said, no, the mayor it might come, wants me to, he sent me over here to take you to his office. And I said, okay, I'm with my uncle. I said, okay. They actually had two motorcycles. I got on one, he got on the other. And, uh, and took me to his office. And while I was in his office, I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? This is crazy. I, I don't know anybody here. I'm just, what, did I do something wrong? You know, did I do something during the middle of the night? I didn't know, you know, I don't know. But anyway, he calls me and he said, you know, I know you're not from here. He said, um, but I, I just want to bring you into my office and tell you one of the things that we struggle with in our town is that we have nothing here for our youth uh, when they become uh, uh, adults. We don't have anything here for them. And so what ends up happening is our kids, they graduate from school, and then they go to the big city, La Paz, which is a million people over there, and they go over there and they go to university and they have opportunities over there and they never come back. And it said, if this keeps happening, our city's gonna die. By the way, uh, we could make that relevant to our church. If everybody keeps leaving our church and they never come back, the church is gonna die. Right? We, like this mayor, have to figure out what we have to do to uh, bring the young people in or to keep them here. Now, one of the things that he, was, he told me, he said, he said, I need to figure out how to keep these young people here. He said, I don't have anything really uh, other than land. He said, when I saw you here, I knew you were from America. Uh, you know, you could just tell. I said, I want to offer you something. He said, if you will create something and teach our kids a trade and something that they can learn here and they can work here, I will give you 500 hectares of land. I said, what's 500 hectares of land? 1,250 acres of land. I'll give it to you. I was like, I'm a preacher. I, I, I pastor a little church and at that, you know I'm not sure if I was here no I wasn't here yet I was in in uh, in Paraland. I said I'm not called to do something like that I'm not called to be and I'm called to preach the word of God that's what I'm called to do and my grid at the time prevented me from seeing an invitation now I'm not saying I was supposed to take the invitation I'm not saying that but I felt like the Lord let me have that to prepare me, not for a similar venture, but to prepare me to recognize an invitation from God. But I don't know what I'm doing. Still don't know what I'm doing. But I now know I don't have to know what I'm doing. But God doesn't want me involved in all that kind of stuff. I know different now. I know that God's not limited to just the church. God is working in the world. And if God is leading me somewhere, it's not me to, for me to figure it out. It's for me to say, God, are you in this? And if you're in this, I have no idea what I'm doing. But if you're asking me to take the right seat, I know that I'm not the pilot. I'm just the co-pilot. I can trust you to fly this plane. And so I want to say yes, even if I don't have a clue at what I'm doing. 
I had no grid for that back then. I said, no, this ain't God, whatever the case may be. But now I have a grid for it. Not that I know what I'm doing. I just now know I, I, now I really don't know what I'm doing. But I know he knows what he's doing. And I don't have to figure it out. I just have to say, yes. You hear what I'm saying? And it's happened to several people throughout the Bible, by the way. Right? God by the name of Moses. You remember Moses? God came to Moses, Exodus 3, 9 through 12, and he said, now therefore, God is talking to him when he shows himself in a burning bush, and God sees it, I mean, Moses sees it over there, you've got to go figure this thing out, and, and, he, and he sees the Lord, take off your sandals, you know, and God begins to talk to him, and he says, now behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them, come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said, who am I? I have no clue, Rick Hilgero translation, that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, God said, I will be with you and this shall be the sign that I have sent you. When you have brought this people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What was God doing? Moses, I'm going to pilot this plane, but I need you to take that seat over there. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't ask you if you knew what you were doing. I didn't say you had to have gone to pilot school and you had to have all the qualifications. I'm just asking you, will you partner with me? I feel the presence of the Lord. Out of a little dream, I feel the presence of God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. And you don't know, I, I don't say it. You, you've been here 18 years. I rarely say that. I don't make a practice of doing it because I'm not a feeler. I don't sense that way. I just, I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a by faith person. Doesn't mean I don't hear from God, but I, it's usually not that way. And here lately, I've been feeling the presence of God come on me, and I thank the Lord for that. But it's unique for me. Another guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And then I said, ah, 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 who, me? You, you want me to talk to my, to my uh, school about Jesus? No, I won't even do that. And you want me to be a prophet to the nations? And what did he say? Behold, I can't speak. I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a, I'm a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. Say, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. So what's happening here? God gave Jeremiah an invitation. I want you to take the seat. I don't know how to fly a plane. And God said, don't tell me you don't know how to fly a plane. I said, I'm going to be with you. It's not whether you know how to fly a plane or not. It's are you willing to take the seat. This is what I want you to do. And Jeremiah took the seat. And when he took the seat, God showed him how to fly the plane. Supernaturally. You hear what I'm saying? You, you understand I'm using the dream to kind of correlate to what's going on here. How about Mary? 
Luke 1, 30-38. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, But, 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 how can this be? Since I've never been with a man. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to, to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, for her who was called barren, for with God nothing is impossible. So what's happening here? The Lord has given her an invitation. And what does Mary say? Mary said, Okay, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I don't know how it's going to happen. I know you told me. I can't figure it out. But if you want me to take the seat, I'll take the seat. And we know that Jesus was born nine months later. So, conclusion. Why share this? Because first of all, I believe the Lord wanted me to. <laughs> right? <laughs> Second, I believe his primary purpose in wanting me to do this is to teach you his ways. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Is it about the dream? No. The dream is simply a tool to teach you something. I hope we've learned today that God speaks, and God is still speaking, and God is wanting to speak to you. And it's incumbent upon us to decide whether or not what I'm experiencing, what I'm hearing, is it from God? Remember, you've got to figure out there's three sources. Is it me, is it the enemy, or is it God? That's very simplistic, but that's basically what it is to it. And if I determine that it is God, then what is God saying to me? And if God is saying something to me, what, do you, what does he want me to do with it? Revelation, interpretation, application. I use a dream as a, uh, uh, a way, as a tool to help describe that God speaks and how God speaks. I kind of took you through the process with myself, but God can speak in all different kinds of ways to you. If somebody comes up to you and says, I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this with you, but they don't say that. They just say, hey, I just thinking about you the other day. You got to ask yourself, why'd they say that? I was just praying about that. You ever prayed about something? You say, God, I need, I need to know what to do. And all of a sudden somebody comes and they're not saying, thus say it, the Lord. Eh, they might not even know God, but they say something. And when they say something, it's like, huh? That's exactly what I was praying about the other day. And you got to say, is that God? And if it is God, is it the answer that I was asking for? And if it is the answer, what am I going to do with it? Doesn't matter what you're going through. It's the idea that God speaks. And if I determine that God is speaking, what do I do with what God is speaking? Remember what I said at the beginning. Christianity is really simple. Hear God, do what he says. But God speaks in many and varied ways ways. Proverbs 25 and 2, last scripture, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And just so you understand, this isn't saying that God, if God wanted to hide something, he could put it at the center of the earth, you never find it. He's not hiding it from you, he's hiding it for you. Why does he do that? Well, one is, if you're hungry, you'll pursue it. Right? But two, it's fun. What do you mean it's fun? When you hide uh, Easter eggs, if you do that, you hide Easter eggs for your kids, right? You don't hide it in a place 
where they'll never find it. You know, if you had a little two-year-old and you put it on top of the roof, they never find it. That's not the point. You want to hide it, right? But let's just say you're an older kid, you're 12 years old, and you put it right there in the grass, and the kid's like, really? Can you put a little more thought and effort? This is not fun for me. So God hides it in a way where you, if you're hungry and you want to know, you can pursue it, and in pursuing it, it unfolds some of the things that God has available for us. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty, great and mysterious things you do not know. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Right? And when you find the answer, it's like God hid it, not from me, but for me. And it's the glory of kings. And we are children of a king. We are king's kids to search out matter. And when we figure it out, it's wonderful. Yes.